0: up, y'all. What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of We Don't Know Her. I'm Katie. And I'm Christy. (laughs) And today we're going to be talking about our Diamonds of the Year. So kind of like our Diamonds in the Rough segment that we do at the end of each episode. This is a grand scale for 2020 for both us personally, um, our biggest diamonds of the year, and then also uh, a few of the brightest headlines that we read of the year. uh, Because I think that it was easy to forget about anything positive. There were so many negative things that happened this year and negative news gets more clicks. That's what you're probably likely to see. So we just want to remind you guys that like a few, a few yeah, happy things. things happened.
1: There were definitely some diamonds this year because, I mean, it, it caused – I think that a lot of the negatives caused some positives. Mm-hmm. And I mean, with a year like this, just – It's easy to just write it off as a complete dumpster fire because, trust me, there were parts that were. However... It's tempting, yeah. (laughs) However, it was also a very necessary year, I think, for a lot of people on a small scale and a large scale. So I think in order to do this year justice, the best that we can, we wanna bring some silver linings, some lessons and takeaways so that we can go into 2021 Maybe with a little less expectation, hinting mm-hmm. towards our last episode, mm-hmm. and learning to kind of take things as they come the best that we can. Because, I mean, what the fuck is So look can
0: for the look? good. Uh, you know, it's not like I think that it's so easy to get wrapped up in, like I said, like all of the really bad things that happened this year. Because, like I said, there were so many, and that's not what this episode is about. So we're not going to talk about it. But. Mm-hmm. It's easy to, when you look back on the end of the year, to only remember the negative. And it's just like a, at the end of a breakup, you know, like how yeah. you only then remember the positives. But before you break up, you can only see the negative. Uh-huh. We don't – we want to be on the other side. We want to be the ones looking back and only remembering the good things that happened because that's what's going to serve us. So let's look at the silver linings and then just the overall positive things that happened that um, we just forgot about. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think before we do any of that, we had promised on our last episode to ourselves and to you that we were gonna talk about the real housewives <laughs> of Salt Lake City. And yes. we're not liars and you can oh. trust us. So And
1: talk about a diamond in the rough. I mean be, just really, yeah. That's twenty twenty give us that. Whew, after Beverly Hills ended, New York Ugh. ended, we were stuck in a rut of what felt like an eternity. Mm-hmm. until we got a little taste of something new, something unheard mm-hmm. of, something mormon. Something mormon, something and and not so mormon at the same time. Yeah, and just sprinkled with it. <laughs> it's dusted on top as like a garnish, but at the same time, it has brought us the unexpected in a great way. And unlike, it I mean, this is carrying I mean through the weeks.
0: It's unlike any other real housewives franchise. In history, I mean, like I've been mm-hmm. watching The Real Housewives for probably about fifteen years since the beginning of time. Since the beginning, since they first opened those uh, gates at mm-hmm. Costa de Casa, and I was it called <laughs> Costa de Casa, Costa de Casa. Um, that sounds wrong to me, but I think that's what it was called. And I was hooked, and it's always kind of followed a similar pattern. And then, like lately, in the past couple of years, each season and each city has been really focused on like it's like alcohol, the show, you know, that's what Danny Pelican yeah. calls it. It's true. It's you're just watching these women that are just getting fucked up and like fighting with each other. And it was starting to lose its luster because it was, that's not really what I'm there for, you know? Um, so I need people who are aspirational, mm-hmm. who have money, who are, have nice clothes. who Also <laughs> maybe didn't always have them like right. understood understand what it's like to not. Mm-hmm. And then also a touch of insanity, a touch of narcissism, a divorce or two, and um, and typically, unfortunately, a an eye-catching wardrobe for better or worse. It, it has to be one or the other. Yeah. A tragic wardrobe or one that you're like, wow, that's the best oh, wardrobe I've ever seen.
1: Yeah. I mean, no matter what across the board, they're over the top, and I love it because visually and internally, it it brings it all. It really touches Mm -hmm. all of those buttons in you that just need something to feast on. (laughs) Like when you're just feeling down or if you need a good laugh or it's really not in a... It's a lot to take in. It is. And I think that if you take it for what it is, you can really appreciate the value that it brings because you and I are realistic people. It's not as though we are you know, comparing it to our lives I mean, we are actually. That's a complete lie. You and I, we assign <laughs> characters to people in our lives all of the time. So I i guess I just mean like it does seem outside of our world enough that it's entertaining and it's not right. super close to home. Right. So we can and just I just-
0: think that's why it's probably more entertaining to us than Jersey or New York because it is this other world that even though I have actually been to Salt Lake City and met some Mormons, um, I was friends with a girl who was Mormon. I ended up meeting... Her family there on my senior week. It's a tell for another time. I know. I know what you're thinking. And yes, I I was sober during my senior week. It was gross. Ooh. Anyway, it was so embarrassing. The rest of my whole high school was in the Caribbean. It's fine. It's um, fine. so I went there and I had a little bit of the experience, but it wasn't um, what I experienced was just everyone was blonde haired and blue-eyed, stunningly beautiful, mm-hmm. like built, like very like athletic. Mm-hmm. And the nicest human beings you had ever met in your whole life. But at the same time, that was in like 2006. And I remember I asked someone – they asked me what I was doing. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to like check my MySpace real quick. Like no flex. Like sorry. Um, (laughs) And he was like, oh, what's that? And I was like, you don't know what MySpace is? And he was like, no, we don't have the internet. And these were very wealthy people. This was not a matter of wealth. This was – in Utah, it's different. And we're starting to see that. I like that on here. Like you're seeing them skiing and snowboarding and like doing these things that in Utah, people really, they live outside. They stay outside year round and mm-hmm. just like are in it, you know? Right. And um, well, all of those things. Interesting. Extravagance
1: and pettiness and I'm sorry, it's entertaining. And I, I also you know, you can appreciate them for, as you know, as people, because again, mm-hmm. I say that we relate them to ourselves or people that we know. Who so it is kind of...
0: Sorry, go I'm not to cut you off. Who who do you think you are? So we go through, let's run through really quick the cast. <laughs> okay. okay. So we have Meredith,
1: mm-hmm. who
0: is, uh, I like to say she's like a little dark and stormy. Meredith you know? Brooks. Meredith, <laughs> Meredith is very, she has a low raspy voice. She doesn't cry. And she's always just like, all right, just get out of here. You know, like yeah. she should be like a soap star. Yeah. And then we have Jen, who is over the top, obnoxious, insane, loud. But then, you know, she has a moment to where you're like, you know what, kid, you might be all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And then we have Whitney, the bubbly one, her. who has the voice of a three year old tooth fairy, mm-hmm. and she's she seemed to be annoying. All arrows were like flashing, like this is this girl's the worst. But no. No. She's the best. She's a yeah, sweet she soul. Is. She wants to be a stripper. She got excommunicated from the Mormon Church. I mean, she's just the best. Then we have her cousin Heather, Ooh, who is one of my star. faves. Mm-hmm. She is tall. She's like she's kind of like Meredith. She's also tall, a little raspy, but she's more like fun and outgoing, and definitely does cry very often.
1: Yeah, she's gone through um, it.
0: And then we have Lisa.
1: Oh, well, no, don't. There's, there is a, a last but not least. Oh, well, Lisa. and a
0: last but not. I mean, she's the fi- I was thinking of uh, before we get to the grand finale. Okay. So then we have Lisa. Lisa apparently has no soul or anything to her, but then there's moments where I'm like, maybe she's, I think, from Chicago. She has like a God, I want to nail her voice so bad. Let's see. Can I do it? I mean, like, we just have like a really good tequila brand. Like, what do you want me to say? <laughs> I think it's, I think that was actually pretty good. It was pretty
1: good. I it think was, it, been it needs, good. Um, I think, a little bit more of her, like, Like emphasis,
0: I don't know. Yeah, I'll work on that. The emphasis, but but stay tuned. She's intense, and she owns a you know liquor company, and lives in Utah. That's mostly a dry state, so that's in and of itself just fun. And then we have the grand finale, Mm -hmm. Mary Cosby, Mary motherfucking Cosby. Cosby. She. So all we know is that she inherited a big line of churches and restaurants. You heard that right? Mm-hmm. Uh from her grandmother when she died, but like a sick twisted fairy tale, in order to inherit it, she had to marry her step grandpa, her grandmom's husband. Mm-hmm. And she did it, and they have a twenty year old child. Yes. And now but there's something there's a, the only way to put it is there's something about Mary. There really there is truly
1: is. And and you can't she's there's what? something wrong but with her. Finger- there really is. But she has the essence of, like, do you remember when ET dressed up as a <laughs> with the wig? Yeah. I, at the risk of sounding so rude,
0: I mean that's, but that's kind of the vibe that she gives, where she, she is otherworldly, has this manic, frantic energy that I've never really seen anything like it. Like the way that her mouth goes from like a large smile to a small <sighs> smile to not smiling. But like she makes that transition like six times every minute. You don't know where <laughs> she's going with it. Very and high strong. She's, um, she's just, I, she's one of those people where I'm like, she's going to snap. She's either like, she's either super traumatized and like has you know is acting weird because she married her step grandpa against her will. Like she had to do it. It was, a and range. she admitted that on the show. That's not speculated. She did it, and then, so I think, and now she's been you know with this old guy. So she acts like an old lady. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's part of it. And I and, I, and then I feel when I feel compassion for her. But then at the next time, the next moment, she's telling somebody they smell like hospital and that she had all of her odor glands removed, you know, <laughs> with 12 surgeries, and she died twice on the table. and and Very matter-of-factly, too. And then started saying I racist asked. things to Jen, who's, whose husband totally. is black and whose sons are black, that and she's saying these, like, racist things to them, called them hoodlums. And I was like – and she herself, Mary, is black. Let that be known if you don't know the show. So it is – She there's layers to her where I'm like, I've never – I don't I mean, know what to make of it. I don't understand. I
1: can only imagine so what it can do to one's brain to conceptualize the fact that you are marrying and then reproducing with your step-grandfather. And, you to have sex with your grandma. And who also, like that whole oh. arrangement, she said, caused a huge rift between her and her mom. Yeah. Because she her grandmother is the one who chose Mary to take on this, you know, legacy. So... It's the whole thing is. Well, just, here's here's what's
0: crazy is that I think I mean I would like to believe I believe that her mother is disgusted that she married her grandfather her grandmother's sure. husband. I think that she found that appalling, and I think that she believes the grand the step grandfather to have put that in the will, and that it wasn't actually the grandmother's wishes. I think this sicko Mary's husband, aka step grandpa, wrote that in the will himself. <clears throat> I really truly believe that to be so. And I think that that's actually why they don't speak. But Mary has been so brainwashed that she says that her mother is jealous that she got to marry. What's his name? Robert Sr.? I I just – I, I have no idea. I think idea. that's his name. I might have made that up. Sorry. I think his name was Robert Sr. Oh, no. We're going to be those people. People are going to be like screaming like you said the wrong name. <laughs> Shit. Well, anyway, I think that's his name. And either way, I mean, I, I – don't believe that i mean I. what are the odds the mom is like no i wanted my mom's husband <laughs> is she british did you just make her british <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> you know when i whenever i do that i always just kind of think of a british person I can't really <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: um yeah the whole thing i'm, I'm just very perplexed by it I, it's not i don't know how to feel i truly and and you know it's not my
0: life so that's that's her listen i'm just happy we get to watch it we just get to watch this life because it shan't ever be ours and and i would i will i hope to never know another person who married their step grandpa and inherited you know millions and millions of dollars and runs like this cult like church and also restaurants and all these things and then like she had also let it be known that she had a lunch and let's name some of the things that were at the lunch okay
1: oh like there were
0: men dressed as um what are they called Butlers. The people who stand outside of Buckingham Palace, like those – Oh, um, oh, God. Whatever they, whoever, the, whatever they – whoever – whatever they're called, those bodyguard people that – she had the – she had them. She had, um, little betta fish carpet. in okay. – Oh, a red carpet leading up to it. And this is at noon on what appeared to be a Tuesday. Yes. She had little tiny betta fish in, like, little glass bowls at each table. But there were at also, each like – At each place setting. There were also, like – what was it? Roses and – there were so many elements that I and was just Louis like, Vi-
1: or fucking yeah, Louis Vuitton AirPods.
0: Oh, oh yeah, she gave everyone Louis Vuitton AirPods that were and, like customized, weren't they?
1: Um, no, they had like leather bound books that were that were embroidered with like each name or like girl boss or something. Like what
0: do those things all go together? Beta fish
1: the British soldiers, the red carpet. <laughs> she's like, um, I'm gonna need you to calm down because you're upsetting Walter. And Walter was, just, was the owner of the restaurant. It was like they, an old man just standing. They were just there. watching this whole thing unfold. It was, it was madness. I'm not sure about Jen. How I feel about her because, I mean, to you and I, it's obvious that she's triggering us mm-hmm. um, because of somebody that we used to be friends with. Who there's just similarities that are undeniable and. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, Jen is very –
0: I think what's happening is that Jen is playing the role of a housewife right now because she wants to make an impact to make sure that she stays on and, you know, that is trying to really stir it up. I think that that'll fade away after her first season, and by next season she'll be a really good housewife because I do think that somewhere deep down she is genuine. But this week she came out on roller skates and hula hooping at the same time in a pink blazer – while trying to like quote unquote have a business meeting with her seventh assistant, and she was like, "Fan me, Stuart. <laughs> Fan me while you stare at me and then read me the list."
1: And he was like, "Okay."
0: So uh, yeah, I think that maybe because I think Lisa Vanderpump kind of used to do that in the early years, where it was like a lot of like shtick, and I think it kind of settles down a little yeah. bit after a while. So. I hope it does, and I mean overall, we're gonna keep talking about it because it's gonna be good. It feels good, and this is a true diamond of twenty twenty. So I it know it came at just the right topic. time. And um, if you don't like the housewives, I'm sorry, and I hope that you change your mind. Well, in Katie
1: will. She will probably bully everybody on who listens to this show until if I could get, to-
0: get if I could get in contact with way. you,
1: I would change your mind. The same I way was, that she did to me. Katie is living her best goddamn life. I
0: really because- am. One day I'll get you caught up on all of them, and then I will have leveled up all the way. Right now, though, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling strong. I'm feeling better than I was a couple of years ago, but um, but definitely not there all the way. So, all right. So now, I guess, moving on to our topic for today, uh, before anyone, like, drives themselves off the road or just starts <laughs> screaming at us. Um, so today, we are talking about our diamonds, and personally, we have each had – some high points of our own. Christy, what is your, your high point and your diamond personally for 2020?
1: That is a good question. Um, I had many high points from a self-growth perspective, um, which for me, that's the reason that it is a high point is because I feel like I've been in the works for a very long time. So um, I mean, whenever you have some type of emotional breakthrough, it's always a really good feeling. Um, I'm just feeling really motivated and more empowered and a little bit more in tune with who I am. And that feeling alone after feeling like I've been sleeping for my entire life and now finally feeling like I am, I have a vision of things and I'm actually keeping with it and staying committed and doing what it has, what, do, doing what it takes to get what I want. Um, it's just something I've never felt before. So, that in and of itself, I would say, is my own personal high point.
0: Where did that, what happened this year that caused that, that caused you to cha- have that change in feeling and get to this point?
1: It was, I think, just a breaking point. Um, being in a relationship at the beginning of this year, I was getting to the point of we had, we'd almost been together for two years. We were together, I guess, for maybe a year and a half total, but in the very beginning of this year, I just remember in the relationship itself, it hit a point of, it just had elevated to a very tumultuous um, place to be in. I mean, the whole relationship from start to finish had been tumultuous and it got to a point where I could feel in my soul that it was feeling beaten down and just um you know self-inflicted but then also externally inflicted from the relationship and i could kind of feel myself getting to a low place and this happens all the time with major life transitions for me but something just clicks where i no longer will tolerate feeling that Mm way and um the relationship came to a complete boiling point and it ended in the snap of a finger. It was something that I had not been contemplating for very long. It was maybe a very, very slow burn till I got to a point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. And after you and I had talked, it really just helped put things into a perspective for me that was like, no, no more. We're done doing this. And from there, then like a process of one thing happening after the other for myself as far as waking up and learning new things about myself that I never knew before. And the rest is kind of history. So it was really that relationship that um, that shook everything up for me.
0: Yeah, and I think, I mean, on our last episode, we talked about um, how I have, still am, uh, a bit of a perfectionist and Christy can be a people pleaser. And I know that in that relationship, you were definitely still at the height of your people pleasing tendencies. And in a bit of a codependent situation. So how do you think that now that you're on the other side of it and outside of the codependent relationship and outside of the people pleasing, do you think that's directly connected to like why you feel like you're getting in touch with yourself more now?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I I think learning how to be vulnerable in a way where you are exposing who you really are and taking a look at how you got into those relationships because it wasn't just a romantic relationship that i had broken off but it was i was also involved in a very um codependent and unhealthy friendship i mean a couple of them i had just gotten out of one last year too
0: mm-hmm. but
1: but this year pretty much around the same time i had walked away from two relationships a friendship and a relationship where they had very similar dynamics to each other and with me mm-hmm. and, and making the decision to eliminate that from my life. And also the way that I went about it, I wanted to make sure that it was true to myself and I wasn't coming at it from a place of accusing the other people. I, I don't have hard feelings towards those people today. It is more so just a hard truth that we are not good for each other. And I think being able to walk away from that and feel, feeling like I did it with as much grace as possible and as much confidence and self-assurance was just a huge step for me. And then being on the other side of it, once I could see how I got into the relationships and why, it helped point me in a direction of then figuring out how to not get into those again
0: mm-hmm.
1: and keep repeating the same patterns of this type of unhealthy dynamic. So does that answer the question? <laughs> yeah,
0: no, I think – yeah, because you're still single. Um, So yeah, I think that when you start realizing that you're in those codependent, people-pleasing situations and relationships, um, understanding it, ending it, but then also looking at like what is the pattern and not repeating it. Like we've talked about in the past. That's why it's so important to get to know yourself and the things you've done in the past to ensure that you don't continue to do it in the future. So I do think that that's – yeah, that answers the question. But I think it's more importantly just – the biggest, like, learning lesson. And um, I think that that kind of directly ties into my my diamond of the year, mm-hmm. um, which was going to school because I similarly had people around me that were impacting the way that I saw myself, what I thought I was capable of, and I was so worried about other people all of the time and um, and worried about what they thought of me that I was really limiting myself and some of those viewpoints were that I should have gone to school a long time ago and like you know not super thrilled with the idea of me going to school where it's just like oh cool like yeah you already should have done that like why would I congratulate you for it and then the other side people who consistently would be like oh well like I don't know if you're really like cut out for that or I don't know if that's a great idea for you or and I kind of I kind of like bought into those concepts and then by shedding those people whether it likes family friends whoever and surrounding myself with more yes people i decided to go back to school and it was after a particular conversation that you and i had um over the summer about wanting to go back to school and like realizing that all of the things i wanted to accomplish i really want to make a change i want to make an impact on the world i want to help people i want specifically women It's always been my passion. It's part of the reason that we do this podcast and why I want to do this podcast. Um, So I realized that I wasn't going to be able to do that without a degree, unfortunately, as much as my like fuck the system attitude kept telling me like, no, just like find a loophole. (laughs) Yeah. I couldn't. So you and I had a conversation and it was just kind of like, yeah, you should. So after going back, I realized now – I was nervous that my fears would be confirmed, that I would do really poorly in school or that I wouldn't have the attention span or I wouldn't um, – I had an issue in the past and growing up, or I think a lot of people do, but it was really bad, where if I didn't really care about something, I can't succeed at it. Like, I, I'm not a good fake it till you make it person. And Christina said even from this podcast, if I'm not – if I don't, if I don't feel that, if I don't feel it, I, it's not going to happen. You'll see it all over my face, and I won't be able to do it. And it's just like not—I can't fake it. So I think that I just getting to a point of understanding what I really wanted and being honest enough to show that to everyone else, and not worry about what they thought, and being kind of authentic about it was it was different this year yeah. it was, and it was what was kind of a breaking point for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, I think that the people that you and I were both surrounded with, it just shows how much importance there is to just fighting for your space, you know, mm-hmm. and, and making sure that nobody around you is going to try to bring you down or to deter you from doing what you Want to do or are meant to do. And I think it's really, hard. it's a hard lesson that you and I have had to learn just throughout our entire lives of being so adamant about protecting that space that we have to be strong enough to make the decision to like remove ourselves from it somehow. And I think that when you do get to the point where you are now with people who support you and you can get different perspectives from, it helps you listen to your actual intuition of, I'm just going to do it. I just, I can't sit on this any longer. I can't keep saying that I'm going to go back to school and then just not do it. And I have a vision now of what I want to do. So I got to take the step. And then where do I start? I
0: think that was the big part. What you said is, is an important thing too, is that I didn't really have a vision of what I wanted. I didn't like have a vision of what I wanted to do as a career. I, and I felt a lot of pressure around that in my entire life to like, pick the career. But my whole thing is that from the moment I was born, like I said, I felt like I have a purpose. And my whole thing is that I'm trying to find out how I can turn my purpose into a job. I don't care about money or career. So that's where school was always like, I was like, it doesn't work for me. I don't care about just getting a degree to make money. Like, I'm not passionate about it. I don't care. And that's like I was saying before of like, If I don't feel it, I'm not going to be successful at it. It's just not going to happen. So um, I think, yeah, this time around knowing that I wanted to um, do public relations and ideally work for like a women's nonprofit and seeing how I could make my skills and what I want to do fit into an actual job that is real that I could do and that also um, the schooling doesn't necessarily pigeonhole me into that position. Being a communication studies major, you could do a lot of different things, even podcasting. Mm-hmm. So, um yeah, I think it's even helpful just for this and hopefully by the time I'm done my degree this podcast will sound even a whole lot better. So,
1: Well, have you felt have you felt the difference now having taken the plunge and gone back to school and even finished the semester and you you were very mindful the entire semester of doing a doing a job well done, and being proud of it, and not just doing it to skate by. So how do you feel different now after having taken that leap of faith?
0: I realize now, like I did confirm that my fears weren't true, that I'm not still an 18 year old, uh, that I am a different student now, and that I, I understand that I'm a perfectionist, and that that's why when I was in school the first time, I wasn't able to do it because it was the idea of – Like, I literally only got A's or I would withdraw the class or I would drop the class. Like, those were my options. And if I wasn't going to succeed, I just wouldn't do it. So um, now I was really nervous going into this that I would have that same mentality. And I, I kind of do a little bit, but instead of being like, oh, I'm not naturally good at this, so I'm going to drop the class, I'm like, I have to be good at this. And mm-hmm. it's still – Perfectionistic, and I'm not saying it's the healthiest mentality, um, but you it's know. a different way
1: to look at it, though. And sometimes you can only expect progress and baby steps rather than being able to switch it off completely overnight. You know, it's, yeah. it's still an accomplishment, and I think that um, for you and I both, really getting to know and understand our people pleasing and perfectionistic tendencies and lifestyle really Um, you know, once we are able to take that first step into stripping that away from our behavior, I think that we are now seeing the fruits of our labor and it's different and it's challenging, but it's also kind of fun in a weird way. I don't know if you feel that way where it's kind of enjoyable to be challenging yourself in a brand new way and seeing the reward from it. And I think that what it comes down to for both you and I as well is, although I'm more people pleasing, you're more perfectionistic. I, I take the lesson away of being vulnerable truly and exposing yourself for who you really are, as opposed to trying to, for me, please other people and be who they want and for you be perfect and not do anything wrong. Um, We're finding that if we just do what is true to us, whatever that may mean, that it actually is a lot better and you get more confident and self-esteem. It's kind of funny,
0: not to cut you off, but I just kind of thought about it. Is that like, I didn't even really think about it. Is that last week, you know, we talked about being perfectionistic or two weeks ago? Mm -hmm. Yes. What is time? I don't know. At some point, we talked about being perfectionistic and people-pleasing, but I actually. We didn't know, obviously, what we were going to say was our brightest spot of this year. And for each of us, our brightest spots were overcoming those things. You overcame your people-pleasing tendencies and broke off some relationships and realized that who the fuck cares what they think or what they're going through. Like, you know, focus on you. And for me, it was facing up to my perfectionistic tendencies both in this podcast and in school and really coming head-to-head with it and being like, okay – Instead of just throwing out like like my grandma would say like the baby with the bathwater you know like you have to focus and even if you it's better to work really hard and still be a perfectionist and want to get an A and then not get an A than just withdraw the class because I could have been done school by now if I had if I didn't have that mentality back then so this time it's still hard for me and I just do want to say that I do have a four and I probably will keep it but. Um, hey, I mean, God willing, God willing, God, you'll hear me on the day that I don't on this
1: podcast. You can say with certainty though, (laughs) that for your entire adult, your like real adult school life, you've been a scholar, you know, for about,
0: yeah, for about three months I've been, I'm a scholar. Um, so it's
1: true. You're not, you're not lying, but yeah, so we'll,
0: we'll see. I mean, hopefully it. I'm hoping to come to peace so that I know and I'm trying to prepare myself because next semester is going to be a lot harder. But school in general has definitely been, for all the reasons, named my biggest diamond of yeah. this year. And
1: it's, it's a good feeling. It's it's just – I mean, I think especially to see the way it's, – it's funny the timing because I think that um, you and I have experienced the same type of, you know, almost loss of hope at some point um, with different things going on in both of our lives, they were very different circumstances, but they were still the same lesson. And we're we're kind of um, you know just going through it hand it in surprising. hand. Oh, it well mm-hmm. together we will yeah. rise. <laughs> together <laughs> we both shall rise. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's helpful because this podcast, especially now that it's kind of like our lives have merged now in a way where it's still putting us to a test, but um, we're still. I mean killing it personally. That's mm-hmm. I, I feel I feel just the fact that we're doing it is good. I think Yeah, that like
0: that- I wish if I and I think that it's not that we're trying to really pat ourselves on the backs and be annoying, but if You're putting you ourselves knew, out there. if you knew how much Christy and I like used to procrastinate and really just be talk and never make the change, like we spent probably what would equate to years sitting and talking about the things that we wanted to do or wanted to change or what we weren't happy with in terms of relationships, jobs, friendships. And we are finally both at the point where we are willing to do whatever we need to do. If we are unhappy with a situation, we want to make a change, we're doing it. And, well, we're
1: more equipped now. You know, Back yeah. then, we did do all of those things, but we still had not experienced the things that we needed to experience in order to have this this wisdom this endless wisdom that we have but it's true because i think that it has been we honestly just we don't think blocks. we're that
0: smart just FYI. we really don't think we're that smart we just know that we just know how well, we've been truly some stupid shit. we used to be and we're Listen, so much better now
1: <laughs> Katie, i'm trying to do <laughs> i'm trying to explain this in a in a positive way mm-hmm. we were just young we were just young we didn't know any better yeah. and now we are older and wiser and we're at a point where um we want to help other people try to get to a better point you right. know
0: on that note in terms of everyone else um this this year has like we said had plenty of low points that won't be named shan't, and can't but there were a lot of bright spots and some of them were you know a couple of headlines that we pulled were the brightest and best spots we think personally of all of the good things that happened this year and I think one of the biggest things this year on a big scale and small scale is diversity. Um, You know, seeing yourself, representation, understanding that everyone's life matters, everyone's viewpoint matters. Um, There is no one that should be excluded from being able to... We should all have the exact same rights and the same experiences and the same opportunities. Um, And what comes along with that is... Being able to create yourself in art and drawing, especially as like a little kid. And that's why we're so excited that Crayola launched a box of crayons with diverse skin colors <clears throat> for children to, quote unquote, accurately color themselves into the world. And... I think that's just – as somebody who used to be a nanny and spent so much of my time trying to help kids understand how to draw skin, and what's crazy is that they naturally know that that's wrong. They're like, but that's not what my skin looks like. And I'm like, I know. It's weird. The whole world is weird. I am a white, Irish, freckly person. I would just draw like peach. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I guess I'm peach. I was like, that doesn't seem right. I don't Mm -hmm. look peach, but I guess that's right. Um, And – to narrow it down to just like literally white, black, peach, yellow, tan, brown. Right. I think that there's what probably hundreds of thousands of different shades of skin, if not millions. Nobody, no two are the same and everyone deserves the right to be able to see themselves. And it's, it's so – it's interesting
1: to think how small of an action it may seem, but it could – I mean – it's just a small seed and seed in the grand scheme of teaching children at a young age when their brains are forming to just even be accepting and acknowledge that there are many, many different shades of skin out there Mm -hmm. and they are people. And it's, I mean, that could maybe do a lot. I think that it it has the potential to really make a difference in the way that, that people are brought up and representation does matter. And it's, it's even at the ripe age of thirty something. I won't say how exact, <laughs> exact, but <Right> now. <laughs> I'm I'm just kind of realizing how important that is to somebody who is a minority, and I mean for little kids to be able to really just start at a young age and and understand that concept. I think it is a, it's a
0: huge deal. Mm-hmm. Well, so, you know what? You know what? Actually, this this just made me think of it. This is. God, I'm so glad I just thought of this. Okay, on TikTok the other day, Billy Eichner is always posting TikToks now, Billy on the street, like clips from his show from like over the years. And you know how he does that thing like for a dollar, like just answer this question. He'll run up to someone and be like, for a dollar, like is Michelle Pfeiffer alive? Like he'll just like say whatever. (laughs) And it's things that like – or sometimes it's just opinions and it doesn't matter what your opinion is. You just say it and he gives you a dollar. He ran up to this very unsuspecting Asian man and who like did not see him mm-hmm. coming and he's so loud and aggressive and he like runs up to him and he's like, sir, sir, for a dollar, what color is your skin?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he's like, what? And he's like, sir, for a dollar, what color is your skin? And he said yellow. Oh. He's not yellow. Was he is yeah. not yellow. Yeah. Like I would say tan, like brown. Like he looked, he was dark. He was pretty dark. Like he was like, he was a pretty dark skin tan guy. Mm-hmm. And- Billy Eichner went, oh, oh, no. Oh, God, here's the dollar. Oh, no. Here's the dollar. (laughs) And that right there is if you don't see your color and you're grown-up telling that you need to color yourself in yellow and that you're Mm -hmm. yellow, even though you're not yellow, you actually then believe yourself to be yellow and will one day tell a man that you are. Like – that And that's why it's so important because even though you know it, you start accepting that to be the truth because if you can't see yourself, you have to it's put yourself you in a box somewhere.
1: Right. If you only see yourself as like four primary colors. And even then... if you, you
0: said you would say the same thing, like that's oh, – I'm like, no.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Let's, You're
0: clearly well, not yelling. You're literally we, like not even – Well, a, it's
1: it's one of those things where like coming from that perspective, I can say that because it's been a joke stereotype – Right. My entire life, like that's – I don't literally think that I'm yellow. No, right. But, but it's but that there in your brain. Exactly. is because peach, I mean, sure, but I'm also not tan, really. I don't really – I don't know what I would consider myself. I, same, olive? Yeah, same. I, I have that's no idea. Right.
0: And that's the thing. And that's why – so it's it's important. And on that same note of, of inclusion, representation, um, I know that – so let's see here. Parasite was – I'm going to make sure I say this right. So Parasite, the film, won an Academy Award and it was the first um, to win the Best Picture Award for an international feature film. Yeah. Um, And it's important in terms that Americans are taking their heads out of their asses and actually considering international films and caring about people uh, that don't look like them and that... They can somehow still watch movies even when they don't see themselves in it because white people are so conditioned to see themselves in absolutely everything uh, so that's exciting, but I know even for you on a personal note that parasite was on that topic um, also important
1: yeah it um obviously hitting close to home um, it's a South Korean director and a south and a movie that takes place in South Korea, and for somebody who has no visual recollection or memory whatsoever of what it looks like over there i have no idea like if somebody were to ask me what life and culture looks like over there i would have zero idea Mm -hmm. so i think just to be able to see you know something take place specifically but but also in general in a different country it's a completely non-english speaking film and getting a taste for another culture in general i think was just really uh it just is interesting. It's just interesting to see and it helps offer different perspective and understand that there is life outside of where you live.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I think just that helps people's mind expand a little bit in terms of understanding diversity
0: and, oh, these are people too. Shocking. I had no idea. But even for you, no, like other- as somebody who is South Korean, even though you don't have a strong tie to South Korea or South Korean culture, like had you ever, That was that the first time you ever saw a movie that was all the entire cast with people from South Korea?
1: Yeah, it was, it was definitely eye opening for me. I think just because I, again, like I said, I had no concept of what life was like over there. Um, and I think to be able to see that, I, I had never actively sought out watching Asian movies. So I'm sure if I was curious enough to see what life was like, I could watch Asian movies, but I just never did. This one was just more, um, popular and i guess well, and that's
0: the whole point though because that's that's the thing is that it should be movies with entire casts of people that are not white should be just as popular and just as much like in our everyday pop culture um society that as every other movie but like when you think of classic movies or movies that everybody quote unquote knows they're white like a lot of them are white and it's it shouldn't be the case like that's you shouldn't have to go out of your way to look for movies that have asian casts or that have south people from south korean and or to understand like it should be more readily accessible i think to everyone and i think that's why partially just why this conversation matters and why representation matters on a whole it's just like well and and it doesn't
1: even have to be in a sense where we need more international movies that um, or foreign movies that take place in, in other countries or anything like that. It's more so even in American shows, oh, yeah. like yeah. Housewives even, you know, mm-hmm. like to see more representation in, in those types of shows too, is also nice. And I, I remember I mentioned um, on one of our other episodes, I think when we first started our Diamond segment, when I said that I had seen a doctor who was an Asian American woman, right. yeah. who that in and of itself, just seeing it in my everyday life was new to me. And, and I can't think of a time that I've ever seen an Asian doctor if I think about it. So it, it just gives people a feeling of validation in a sense. And yeah. it's just comforting. It's more of like a comfort thing. It's all it's like a, an understanding of each other that is unspoken and maybe not very significant, but it's it's still nice. It's yeah. nice to have. And I've never even thought about that living in a predominantly white area it's just something that i personally have had never even really right
0: thought because about if you if you don't see it you don't even register it but now you you know now you notice and i felt that way too obviously like as a white person who i didn't grow up in i guess a predominantly white area it wasn't all white but i i definitely over the years as i've been intentionally sought out things that were not just made by white people for white people with all white people in it um you start realizing how often in media that is the case and that it's just kind of gross because, in my opinion, <sighs> white people are such <laughs> terrible actors most of the time. And, like, you guys know how I feel about Nicolas Cage. And, like, he's just, like, the whitest person. And, like, I just, like, I hate him and he's so ugly. And I just, ugh. <laughs>
1: um, Okay, very on very to brighter good. news,
0: though. I can't be talking about Nicolas Cage on our fucking Diamond <laughs> segment. Like, fuck Nicolas Cage. Okay. Um, so another – uh exciting thing that happened this year was that Beyonce dropped not only Black Parade but also Black is King the album and the movie um which were so good on so many levels like all the things that we just talked about it's important to discuss um even through art and in a more subtle way the racial and cultural issues that we're dealing with in real time and I think Black is King was just such a beautiful way for us to kind of see something and hear it and feel it and experience it without um even when for people who didn't know how to even have the conversation or start it or what to do with it or like how to express even if as somebody like us who we understand and we are part of the Black Lives Matter movement, um, it still was nice to hear that to hear that album and to watch it and just feel it and uh and cry it out and just yeah. process it. And it was just it was so Beautiful and so uplifting, but also so sad. And just
1: well, I so think good. that when a message as large as the, um, just the conversation of diversity and Black Lives Matter in this year, I just think the grand, you know, the severity and the the weight of it all, um, because it is very important. And I think that this year was a starting point of more conversation and mm-hmm. more redirection into. Um, you know, hopefully a better way of living. But I think when it comes to art and the way that it's portrayed and things like what Beyonce did, especially because it was a visual album, but also the songs themselves were, you know, really touching back to that whole culture. And I, I just think that just as a person and an artist, <laughs> I'm about to go off on Beyonce, but the, the way that she did it and sent the message or portrayed the message and delivered it, it was... I mean, talk about rediscovering your spirituality because I'm already in an in a spiritual awakening of this year, and then with the social climate of everything this year, and then individually, it was just something that was. It felt like it was kind of like um like therapeutic in a way yeah. to watch it. Yeah, it was no, no really I think it was nice to see. This
0: thing, I think, it was helpful for people who uh, maybe don't understand and. I think that it's just so important for an entire film to see black people as royalty um, and to honor traditions that were stolen from them. And I think that it was just a really beautiful movie. And I hope that everybody watched it. I hope everyone listened to the album. And don't forget that that came out this year. So that was a bright spot. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in terms of art, another thing that swept – That swept my household and the world. Swept Katie's nation. Swept my nation. Well, my my husband's (laughs) nation, truly, is Hamilton the movie. Because as we all knew, like we knew when Hamilton came out, everybody, this is not new news that Hamilton is incredible. It's more so that it was now accessible to all of us who thought that we would, A, never be able to just get tickets. Or that, like, they're so expensive. Or if you don't live in New York. All of the things. So this was just such a great gift. And on a personal level – it was great because it was the gateway drug into getting my husband into musicals. I mean, the the price I pay is that he's played it every single day for months on end, and it never no, ends. He's and he's just doing like jazz hands all the time. Yeah, and he's like like really obsessed with like all of the characters, like in a way that I'm I don't know. Um, but you know, what? it's the price I pay, and I'm happy for it. And now he start at least understands like why musicals are so. Why they can be so good, you know, if it's the right one. <laughs> yeah. Because a lot of people don't. They've never seen the right one. They just seen have seen like Sound of Music, and they're like, I don't know that that's for me. And then they don't know like that. There's really some other great musicals out there going on.
1: Well, coming from a person who is not a musical person, but I'm not not one. I they're not my they're not my first, second or third choice. But they I can appreciate them if
0: that's yeah. – if well that's, that's better right than say. that's better than Ricky was at. Like Ricky was like really like not into them.
1: Um It was it was more so just like if that's what you're into, you know, I know people are really into musicals. I've just never like gotten like a huge boner over a musical. Yeah. I, like it's it doesn't they don't do it for me. I can appreciate how how good something like Hamilton is, but um I don't I don't know. It didn't, it didn't do it for me. <laughs> you know, like it didn't turn yeah. that button on for me. But I
0: think there's different musicals that really hit everyone. Like Hamilton, I, I really loved Hamilton, but Rent was the one that really set me off. But, you know, Hamilton was Ricky's Awakening and that's all that really go. matters on that. Yep. Um. And then our final bright spot of the year is that drive-in movie theaters have made a comeback. They are being revived because of the pandemic. So that's one good thing is that, you know, they're part of um, American – uh, culture and have been part of American culture for a really long time and they were a dying breed they're not very popular anymore so just seeing them come back like there's been I've driven past ones that are like like in the south and stuff that are grown over you know like you <laughs> just still see like a wall like where they once was projected but other than that it's just a lot basically but you know what it used to be yeah Um. so I'm really glad that they're coming back and that's exciting and um, they
1: were it's kind of a um a little bit of a community building. It's it's just an alternative way of spending time with people that I think we learned this year. And I think that that's, that's the main thing that I have seen as a positive overall is that I think that 2020 has definitely forced us to look at things differently and reprioritize things that had been overlooked for a very long time and that goes across many different scales, um, whether it's relationships or politically or socially, all of those things, everything really had to stop in its tracks in order for people to wake up. And I I just can't stress enough how, I mean, how huge this year was. And not even just focusing on all of the doom and gloom, because there was a lot of devastation but at the same time when you look at what it has sparked you know i know on one hand We've there's been a lot of
0: pain to you know to get to the other side sometimes and i think we're right. in a struggle year
1: there's we're been growing. it's been very divisive in a lot of ways but at the same time you know there are new pathways that are being made now that have been um you know really overlooked for a long time so i i think that it's it was necessary in a way. Yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, and I know that it was, this year was different for everyone, but we wanted to at least bring to you our personal highlights and some objective highlights of this year that are that are that should be able to break, lift your spirits, no matter what kind of a year you've had or how you are walking away from 2020. I know that January 1st is not going to be a whole new world. We're going to wake up to a lot of the same problems, and I'm not putting all my eggs in that basket. But I do feel like it's worth reflecting. And walking away, remembering the happy times, not not just the sadness, because all, this year was yeah. a little too sad. And I think it would be better for all of us to maybe just remember the happiness, keep it moving. Twenty twenty one, remember what we learned, but not so much to focus on the pain that we endured because it was. We're getting through too much.
1: it. We are all getting through it. And I mean, trust me, I'm not trying to discredit any of the really extremely hard, low times that everyone has had. Because I'm still going through waves myself, but. Um, but we have to just keep getting through it. And I try to take peace of mind and knowing that, you know, everyone is in this together. Um, I know that that's, that's easier said than done, but, but we're getting through it and, you know, we're making progress. Yeah. And I think that our biggest, cool.
0: <laughs> Our biggest bright spot of the year is this podcast uh, for the reasons that we mentioned in the beginning, but we really just want to thank like all two of you that listen. Um, We know we really do appreciate, though, everyone who's reached out to us and encouraged us and given us feedback, helped us, given us advice. Because when you actually sit down, just like 2020 and the bright spots, like there's a lot more of them than we realize. Um, So I really appreciate it. And this is a really exciting time for us. And we hope that 2020 will be the year that we remember that we started our podcast and not just the year that everything went to hell.
1: Wow, and seeing so. mic drop. So yeah, just wrapping up. I think that um, you know there's a lot to be thankful and happy about in 2020, and hope that 2021 will will be a little bit better. Little yeah, and we'll have that.
0: we'll have one more episode um, that we're going to wrap up the year with. So we'll be back next Wednesday with another episode before the final countdown. But um, you know, for now, I guess we will uh, we'll see y'all on the other side. Yes, and if you want
1: to touch. Base with us or share any of your highs and lows. Please feel free to reach out. We are open for DMs, emails, anything. So, Katie, tell yeah. us where they can find us.
0: You can send us a DM on Instagram at We Don't Know Her Pod. You could also send us an email at We Don't Know Her Pod at gmail.com. Uh, please feel free to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Find us anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Tell your friends. Tell your family. New episodes every Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, honestly. Just just listen to us, you know? Okay. That's all. All right. <clears throat> we love you. Thank you today. and good Thank night you so much and we'll see y'all on the other side. Bye. Peace.